The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You're listening to In the Corner with Tyler Peters. Unfiltered, uncensored, and unforgiving. Here's the man from across the pond, Tyler Peters. Greetings. Welcome to a brand new episode of In the Corner with Tyler. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. It's in association with the In the Corner podcast with the great Benny Mack under the SJP World Media Podcasting Network umbrella. I'm going to be reliving my experience from this week's episode of AEW Dynamite from Wednesday night, August the 16th. Live from the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City, USA. It was A.W. Dynamite Fight for the Fallen 2023. I'm just going to briefly examine some of my own highlights. But before I discuss this any further, I want to specially thank my good friend Kevin Swells and also my wonderful family for the opportunity to attend such a magnificent event. I remember entering into Bridgestone Arena. I hear this familiar voice on the uh, big Titantron. It's a larger TV screen inside the arena. And it's none other than one of the voices from my childhood. Ever since I fell in love with professional wrestling, it's none other than the voice of Tony Schiavone. I remember going to friends' houses, watching WCW Monday Night Nitro or the old WCW Saturday Nights or going back revisiting the old Jim Crockett Promotions wrestling cards. And Tony Schiavone would be one of the main announcers and interviewers, and he's still doing it today, along with good old JR, Jim Ross. It would be Excalibur. And Taz and Tony, it was a three-man booth. So even though I didn't get to hear the commentary per se, I still got to hear the voice in video packages. So that to me was just nostalgic in itself. But it was just a fun-filled evening. I will say the first matchup featured the AEW International Championship matchup. Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy would put his title on the line against the Blackpool Combat Club's Wheeler, Utah. You know, and Orange and Wheeler have a history. They share a past. It was Orange Cassidy who got Utah into AEW, but now they are fighting on opposite sides. They don't share the same ideologies. In other words, first off, we saw Wheeler ambushing Orange Cassidy to get the early advantage. I'm not going to break down all these matches. I'm just going to give you my true perspective on the events that transpired and occurred throughout the evening. It was just a exciting contest between two amazing athletes. 
Utah is technical. Orange proves he can be scientific in both utilize high-flying maneuvers. But in the end, it would be Orange Cassidy who would win the match. But during the bout, we would see John Moxley and Claudio Casanoli, fellow Blackpool Combat Club teammates, come out through the crowd. They would emerge from the crowd to distract Orange Cassidy. But he would prevail and overcome the odds. But in the post-match segment, it would be the Blackpool Combat Club attacking Orange Cassidy, even though he retained the AEW International Championship. Then music proceeds to play. It's the best friends. They come out to help their comrade. But the numbers game is still too much. And we see the Lucha Brothers, followed by Eddie Kingston returning to AEW after being successful in New Japan, actually winning one of their titles. And we are so happy for Eddie Kingston. He brings a believability. He's real, to uh, borrow such terminology as growing up on the streets of New York City. And he is relatable. And I think that's why people fall in, fall in love with Eddie Kingston. And Eddie Kingston lays down the challenge. He told the Blackpool Combat Club to recruit three other members, as it will be Eddie Kingston and the best friends teaming up with the Lucha Brothers in a stadium stampede match. That's going to be a sight to behold, and that's putting it mildly. So already some chaos and just thrilling excitement to open up the program. Jim Ross has a sit-down interview with the elites Kenny Omega at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. It was a pre-tape, obviously. Jim Ross wanted to know about Omega's plan for All In, speaking of London, and he wanted to know how Omega could overcome Don Callis. And they talk about the past that featured and highlighted both Don Callis and Kenny Omega as they were doing business previously. It was Omega's uncle, the golden Sheik, who helped break Don Callis into wrestling. And he viewed Don Callis as an uncle himself. So he, he feels betrayed as somebody who was a mentor, who was like family to him when referencing Kenny Omega. I always enjoy these sit-down interviews. You get a chance to see a different side of these characters as they're betrayed on television. And uh, Jim Ross is a master at these. But it would take long for Don Callis to interrupt, and it would be Switchblade, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Dakesha to attack Kenny Omega, setting up a big matchup for AEW All-In. All roads lead to this major marquee pay-per-view event. Hangman Adam Page had followed his friend Omega to the hospital. Page called out the Bullet Club members of Jay White and Juice Robinson and Dakesha, flanked by Don Callis. He's going to have the back 
of his fellow elite partner, Kenny Omega. And it will be Hangman Adam Page and Kodo Ibushi aligning with Kenny Omega to take on Juice Robinson, Switchblade, Jay White, and Takeshita. And I'm sure Don Callis will be somewhere nearby for AEW's All-In pay-per-view. And speaking of Don Callis, we can't get enough of this man. He is very talented. He's in the ring, and he says it looks like everyone wants to be a part or maybe a piece of the Don Callis family. What is this, the mafia? But Don Callis is so cunning. The reactions that he receives are just uh, classic. I mean, people do not like Don Callis. He's betraying the villain so perfectly. And uh, we all know he's trying to recruit. He's been on the move. He's trying to entice Chris Jericho with an offer. We've already seen the seeds planted, per se, with Chris Jericho having doubts and dissension within the Jericho Appreciation Society and previous episodes of Dynamite. So Jericho's actually flirted with the idea of joining forces with Mr. Callis. And Don would introduce his best friend for 34 years. They also have a storied history when talking about both Chris Jericho and Don Callis. Chris Jericho enters the ring, and I was so happy for my friend Kevin Swells. We all got an opportunity to sing the famed theme song titled Judas by Chris Jericho's just wonderful band named Fozzie. In all of Nashville, it made sense. It's the music city for a reason. We were all singing in unison, or at least trying to be in unison. And Chris Jericho comes out to a massive pop. And the exchange between he and Don Callis was perfect. Chris Jericho relayed this to Callis. He doesn't join factions. I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Chris Jericho is a creator of factions, in other words. And after what transpired last week, it's obvious what my response is going to be if I want to be part of Don Callis, his family, and he actually says yes after the big dramatic pause before echoing those exact words, or at least exact word. It's not plural, it's just one word. And he explains why he agreed and has says yes to being a member. When the Jericho Appreciation Society walked out on me, I realized I needed to go back to my roots. I need to align with a man who is just as low and dastardly as I am. So that's why I agreed 
to be a part of your family. So Jericho and Callus embraced, meaning they hugged. Callus would say, "This is great. Let's go drink broad. Uh, let's go drink Broadway dry and beat up some rednecks, just like back in the day." So nice tongue in cheek comments by Mister Callus. But Jericho said, "Before we go, I, I need to take a look at that picture, Don." Chris Jericho would turn his back and looked at the picture set up in the ring that had that black cloth draped over it. And Jericho was adamant. I think Callis thought he was kind of ribboning. He's like, no, I, I really want to see the picture. And then Jericho takes that black cloth off this great painting. I mean, whoever is uh, doing the art for Don Callis is amazing. Uh, but what is surreal is what the picture is depicting. It's a Don Callis. Well, it's Don Callis. It's not it's a. Let me uh, correct myself. Do my own edits here. Don Callis is holding a decapitated head of Chris Jericho, creating doubt in the mind of the Ocho, the demo god himself, Chris Jericho. And it made Jericho question the motives of one Don Callis. Callis pleaded, I did not think you were going to agree or say yes, Chris, because I know you're a big egomaniac. And it's all about Chris Jericho. And that's when Jericho turns the tables and says that Don Callis would not ha be relevant if it were not for him, meaning Jericho. And then Don Callis would slap him. It was a bit of a weak slap, but still effective with all due respect by Don Callis. Let me clarify. Jericho would back him into the turnbuckle. It looked like he was going to beat him up. He was choking him, had him by the collar, I think trying to recall all the events is tough. And then we get interference by Dekesta, who just attacked Kenny Omega. But then Jericho turned it around where he was taking it to Dekesta. Then out of nowhere, cameras pan away and then do a nice cut to Will Ospreay of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Comes in to ambush attack. There's a lot of ambush uh, attacks regarding this program, I'll tell you. A lot of twists and turns and surprises, all part of a pro wrestling formula, I might add. And Osprey and Takeshita would hold up Jericho. He would be hostage as Don Callis would take the painting, and he would take the picture and smash it over the head of Chris Jericho, leaving him bloodied. I think he was bleeding from the forehead, to be exact. Don't quote me on it, though. Sammy Guevara runs to the ring. With Chris Jericho's bat, I think, is it still called Floyd? He was even given it a name and chased Dekesta and Osprey out of the ring. They have to retreat and in a sense. Next, we get a video package depicting Jack Perry saying that next week on Dynamite, he's going to do the unthinkable. He's going to retire the FTW championship. The one that Taz made famous in ECW. The one that his son, Hook, is carrying on the legacy. But Jack Perry did win it, and he defeated RVD last week on Dynamite. Yes, Rob Van Dam, speaking of saying yes. Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus the Gates of Agony. And the Gates of Agony did not waste any time attacking both Darby and Nick. It's became personal. Actually, the Gates of Agony were agonizing both. Nick Wayne and Darby Allen for most of the match till 
the good guys would bounce back. And in the end, it would be a coffin drop. I think it was a double coffin drop by Nick Wayne and Darby Allen. And it looked like afterwards that Swerve Strickland and A.R. Fox were going to outnumber both Darby and Nick Wayne with the Gates of Agony. But then on the Titantron, the Icon Sting emerges. And he's got his leading man. Before this, he said he's going to be directing movies. We're seeing the Joker Sting return that was so prominent in total nonstop action TNA impact wrestling when Sting was there. And Sting can pull off this Joker personality, I mean, perfectly. I, I must say, he is just, he shows uh, a lot of his uh, depth as I was trying to search for the right word uh, to get this performance out and execute it. And he had Prince Nana hostage, who is the manager and associate of the embassy, the mogul embassy. Let me get it correct or they'll come after me next. I got to stay protected. Maybe I need to call Sting. I don't want to be in that kind of movie though. He he's looking to beat up these guys, but he's got Prince Nana. He's laughing. He's saying there's only nine days from, the Stinger and Darby Allen are going to get some revenge and for their friend Nick Wayne on both Strickland and A.R. Fox for their actions. But then Nana has to correct him and say, actually, Sting, it's more like 13 days. Hey, I wasn't good at math either. So there you go. And then Sting just laughs and scares Nana. He leaves and he's saying, come on, Nana, you know, and then starts singing, na, 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 hey, hey, goodbye. Kind of a funny moment, a little bizarre, but hey, that's that's part of this this gimmick that's Sting, this other part of his character, in a sense. Uh, I, I love the Stinger, man. Did not expect to see the Joker Sting in AEW, though. Yeah, that was one of the last uh, incarnations of Sting's later character uh, going from the Crow uh, gimmick similar to Brandon Lee when Nitro was real hot and he was taking on the NWO and everybody remembers the surfer neon looking sting too, when he first started, I'm still a big fan. I, I was uh, one of the little stingers. I'll tell you our next segment featured a W world champion MJF and Adam Cole. And they are going to be challenging Aussie open for the ring of honor tag team titles at zero hour apart and included with AEW, they're all in a pay-per-view extravaganza, and they are going to guarantee victory. There was this funny comedy segment. It, it's been fascinating to watch the character development with regards to both MJF and Adam Cole, respectively. We all know that it's going to be Adam Cole challenging MJF. He is the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. But they're also going to be taking on the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. So one of them is going to be a double champion in either case. But MJF, they were doing this funny Australian spoof going to Outback Steakhouse, watching Crocodile Dundee. I think both movies are at least kind of having fun at the expense of those movies. They are classics. I, I love Paul Hogan. Shout out to Crocodile Dundee. That, that's why I popped on this segment. I just say we all need a good laugh, even if you want to take your wrestling serious. I, I get it. I see both sides of it. I'm trying to do better, I'm trying to stay positive, even though there's going to be a little bit of negativity later on. Uh, hey, I'm just going for the, the experience. I had a blast. 
and getting to see this and and the, the video segments, the way they they do production, it's cool to uh, draw the parallels and also the similarities and the uh, you know concerning all these numerous uh, wrestling promotions. But I digress. Uh, what happened is there was an inflatable crocodile. I, it's hard for me to recall scene by scene, but they end up doing the double clothesline to a one of the workers backstage. Uh, and they get called into Tony Khan's office. It's like the principal moment in school where the students act up and, hey, listen, you got to have a meeting with the principal. And uh, so they got in trouble. It, it was a funny skit. I mean, this is what it entailed. I mean, that's how you would define uh, the segment. And, of course, MJF acts all tough, saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be a free agent in 2024, so I'm not going to worry about Tony Khan. Then Tony Khan opens the door after he says it and, and says what, you know, like he had heard it. So good stuff there. And uh, also this kangaroo kick. Uh, MJF had watched a video of kangaroos boxing and kicking. So he he's decided to add that as a secret weapon. But it was a good promo. It, it was friendly, then got a little tense because, hey, listen, even though they, they've enjoyed this run as a tag team and and we've seen a different side of MJF and Adam Cole, honestly. They are going to be vying for that world heavyweight title, representing all elite wrestling and all in. So, friends or not, we all know how competitive sports are and how everybody can be. I mean, there's a lot of credibility. And you, and you believe. you you got to suspend your disbelief. That's the key with anything, including wrestling. And what you know it, Ozzy Open comes out to attack MJF and Adam Cole and the world heavyweight champion MJF and the number one contender Adam Cole would turn the tide and regain momentum and punish Ozzy Open, the Ring of Honor tag team champions, very talented duo, and would clear the ring. And the cameras panned to Adam Cole and it appeared he was going to attack MJF. Remember, MJF also would tease earlier on, if you watched uh, the various AEW episodes, and I believe it was a dynamite. They've got Rampage and Collision, additionally. And then they just hug it out. They embrace, and that's what happened. I think it was very similar to what I'm alluding to. But I'm sure a lot of you can help me. I hope there's a lot of you listening, but I'll, I'll take one at this point. It's still early on regarding this podcast. So moving on, because it gets lengthy. And don't forget that Roderick Strong and the Kingdom are, are still a factor in this. You've got Matt Taven and uh, Mike Bennett who represent the Kingdom, and Roderick Strong is still in this cast. Uh, he's apparently injured. I'm not sure I'm as fond of the creative with Roderick Strong or the Kingdom, but I'll continue that for another conversation for another podcast. We get back to Chris Jericho was backstage being stitched up during an, during an interview segment. He wants Osprey at Wembley Stadium. I'm going to make you bleed and drink your own blood, apparently. Or in other words, uh, Jericho's turned into a vampire. I'm going to get inside your head, play the mental games, embarrass you. When speaking of Will Osprey, you don't know what you've got into, but you've opened hell. I mean, you've opened hell. Let me try to clarify, because the way I, I kind of was, you know, saying it, 
didn't necessarily come out right, so that's why I'll preference a little bit there. And the Ocho is coming for you. So Will Ospreay better look out. He he may be embarrassed in his own home country of, of England, but that's just going to be a terrific matchup. Looking forward to Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay at All In for AEW in London at the historic Wembley Stadium. Next is where the negativity is going to come in. I told you it was coming. I warned you. The uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch, the last outlaw, Jeff Jarrett, and I got nothing but admiration for Double J and Jeff Hardy, both these guys. I mean, it was Jeff Jarrett versus Jeff Hardy. I mean, absolutely anything goes, and it was chaos. We saw all kinds of craziness, wackiness, eeriness. You could use all the terms. Table spots. Uh, Jeff Jarrett got oil or tar, whatever it was, poured on him. Maybe gasoline. Who knows? We saw Jeff Hardy wander into different parts of the arena. I mean, I'm kind of going random because this match makes you. I mean, you, you even trying to remember it is uh, tough. We got Ethan Page, Jay Lethal, Karen Jarrett getting all involved. We got kendo sticks. Jeff Hardy connected with a swanton off the top rope, crushing Jeff Jarrett through a table. A lot of interference. Leatherface came out. I mean, the match is called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. So there, there was good advertisement, and I'm sure a lot of uh, money involved. And, hey, I can't blame them. Looks like we're going to get a new movie as part of that famed franchise, if you like horror movies. And even if you hadn't heard of uh, the movie, you know, even if you don't like horror movies, that's what I'm meaning to say. Is that I'm sure you've heard of this movie, the character Leatherface. So some wrestler or somebody they hire dress up as Leatherface. He comes out with a chainsaw. It's like if you go to the haunted houses, chases everybody away. You know, I, I was kind of uh, weirdly entertained, but this was not really a match. This was uh, this was craziness. You know, I, I don't mind a little craziness, not too much over the top. And it definitely was over the top. Certainly. Uh, Satnam Singh, the big giant. Uh, I think he played basketball. Makes sense. He's about seven foot tall, seven two. Who knows? I just know the guy's incredibly tall. Uh, we we've saw hammers. I mean, the, the Home Depot and Lowe's in Nashville just had to make a killing or whoever supplied them with their their gimmicks here. But in the end, it would be Jeff Jarrett, thanks to assistance by his crew. Man, that's all I'm going to say about that that match. Just it was all over the place. But Jarrett would win the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. And thankfully, we can move on now. The all-in London Women's Championship qualifier match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, she's really a dentist, versus the Bunny with Penelope Ford. You know, Bunny was aggressive. She took over early in the match. We saw Britt Baker regain the momentum. Penelope Ford tried to interfere, take the glove away from the doctor. Normally, she uses that lockjaw-type submission hold, but she actually would employ the curb stop like Seth Rollins to win the matchup. So it will be Britt Baker qualifying for that four-way for the AEW Women's Championship match for AEW All-In. So congratulations to Dr. Britt Baker. We get a segment featuring the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens who are going to take on the wrestlers who are Colby Carter and Chico Adams, very talented wrestlers. I, I know those guys. 
maybe not personally, but I, I'm definitely aware of them. But unfortunately, we were not going to see them, but it was all part of the segment. I say that. The lights go out. We see the House of Black emerge and attack the acclaimed. And if you recall, Billy Gunn teamed with Max Caster and Anthony Bowens, speaking of the acclaimed, to take on the House of Black, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King with Julia Hart at ringside. And Billy Gunn felt like he let his team down. They suffered a loss, and he would uh, leave his ring boots inside the square circle. That is, That would indicate that he indeed had retired from in-ring action when referencing Billy Gunn. So the House of Black are apparently not finished with uh, the acclaimed just yet. As Brody King Buddy Matthews would punish uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens as Malachi Black would sit in the corner. And it's all about those dark mind games. It's all part of the twisted psychology that's exhibited by not only just Malachi Black, but this group, the House of Black. They are the AEW Trios champions. It was a trios matchup. I believe it that actually occurred on a past episode of AEW Saturday night program titled Collision on TNT. And you've got AEW Dynamite on TBS. It started out on TNT. Moving on to the main event. Uh, speaking of the gun family, we've got the guns, Austin Colton, taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. The Bucks would surprise the guns and super kick them, welcome them to a super kick party while the guns were making their entrance. And uh, the Bucks would just do a lot of innovative stuff to uh, their opponents. Uh, we'd see them dive off the stage. Just, I know a lot of high spots, but there really wasn't as many. That's probably kind of over, you know, analyzing everything as I'm trying to gather the right terminology there. Uh, I've learned to appreciate the Young Bucks. I, I've been a critic of theirs. However, they are very good at what they do, very accomplished, talented, so nothing but respect for Matt and Nick Jackson. And also, I respect what Austin and Colton have been able to attain so far. And a lot of these wrestlers, you forget just how big they are. And the guns, I mean, that was something that impressed me right away is – They've got bigger. They've gained more mass talking about their muscle and, and physical condition. And just a lot of these athletes, no matter what, are just uh, massive. But uh, you also go back to the point that you get a lot of variety, like the Young Bucks. Some of the others are not as big. It doesn't mean they're that small. They just look, you know, smaller in comparison a lot of times to their bigger adversaries. So th that's always a, a pretty cool dynamic uh, with regards to pro wrestling. At least that's my takeaway. The Young Bucks would win the match, a uh, pretty good matchup. Uh, afterwards, another post-match segment, it would be the Bullet Club Gold. Remember, the Guns and, and Jay White and Juice Robinson are all part of a stable. So they would attack the Young Bucks. And then this is where I popped out. You, you heard the familiar theme music uh, being played throughout the Bridgestone Arena. It's FTR 
Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, one of the greatest tag teams, if not the greatest tag teams, at least of the modern day era, possibly transcending all the eras. Uh, Reminds you of the Midnight Express, uh, a lot of the old classic tag teams that were just iconic and even pay homage to Jim Cornette's Midnight Express with their theme music. They come out and uh, deliver a shatter machine to, I believe it was one of the Bullet Bullet Club Gold, pardon me, uh, members. Uh, Either way, they they got one of the Hill teams, meaning villainous uh, squads. And I can't remember, I think it was the Guns who avoided disaster with the the Super Kick Party, the double Super Kicks. By the Young Bucks, I may not be relaying those events just uh, quite as uh, correctly or or right, in other words. So, uh, but either way, FTR and the Young Bucks have a confrontation. They stare down each other. They're going to have the rubber match, uh, their third meeting at AEW All-In in London. So there, there's a lot that's building toward the big pay-per-view from Wembley Stadium, speaking of AEW All-In. But this was Wednesday night, August the 16th, 2023. AEW Dynamite presented Fight for the Fallen. I want to give a lot of credit. This was admirable by uh, the owner, Tony Khan, and AEW uh, supporting the folks that had been devastated by the uh, wildfires in Hawaii the Maui Food Bank. He was uh, raising funds for such a uh, wonderful organization, and our prayers and thoughts are with those families. And it is just truly heartbreaking to see. Uh, so it, that was uh, a lot of the positives too. I, I think even with all the silliness sometimes, and and even the the, uh, the good good stuff, you mix it with the bad, the indifferent. Uh, the reality is hey, a lot of this was helping uh, those people that were less fortunate and 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 what caused them to be less fortunate, uh, which is very sad. Speaking of the, uh, the tragedy that's occurring in Maui in Hawaii right now and uh, the, the people that are, have been affected. So I, I'm just so happy. And, and that's what's cool about being a fan of these promotions. It, it makes you more of a supporter when you see uh, them – you know, supporting these type of causes. And uh, so I want to give a shout-out and, and credit Tony Khan and, and company, all the staff and team and, and the talent, the wrestlers, and also for providing just a great show. This was still solid. It has some negative connotations, uh, mainly the Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Hardy, crazy horror-type match uh, promoting the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, it was kind of funny, though, seeing Leatherface make an appearance, my goodness, to see uh, Leatherface. Now, th- there's been some wacky kind of gimmicks before. It's not like this is anything new, but it's still always strange. And I even like horror movies, so what's that tell you? But anyways, there was a lot of positives with the negatives. That's just like with anything. I don't care if it's a movie, a TV show, even with uh, wrestling. And uh, I, I will say, I've been to WWE shows and AEW shows. I, I love them all. I mean, it's easy. For a lot of fans, they prefer one or the other. To me, it's it's all good. and Just a cool experience, and that's what it's been about. And, so, and I'm glad you joined me. Uh, I tried not to go too long, but I had to kind of explain a little bit of detail and give you some context. But we, we previewed AEW Dynamite, where it was live from Nashville, Tennessee, Bridgestone Arena. I want to thank my good friend Kevin Swells, my family, and you, the listeners, and 
SJP World Media Network, the original in the corner podcast. I say original because it's the one that started it all with a great host, Benny Mac, from across the pond in the UK. I'm over this way in the United States. So I want to thank you for joining me. And I should have mentioned beforehand, but I got so excited getting into the review of the show and recapping it that the ways you can follow the show listen to it on these platforms of Spotify and Apple podcasts specifically also go to like and follow and, you know, check out the show on social media that would uh, mainly Twitter and uh, Benny Mac that's in the corner with Benny Mac and uh, you can find his handle there. So yeah, go give him a follow. Great guy, very talented, doing a lot of things on the, uh, the SJP world media network. And I want to thank him for, uh, having the confidence in me to uh, branch out on my own and do a solo podcast in collaboration and association with uh, his podcast and, and the great side pal who's over the SJP world media outfit also based in the UK, but we, we have a lot of associates in the U S and internationally. So it's a, it's all a big family, uh, at least a big team, but I'll say peace out until the next episode. It's been in the corner with Tyler, and I'm your host, Tyler Peters. It's a wrestling podcast, if you hadn't figured that out. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you.